0: Amen. You may be seated. And good morning, church family. Morning. And to our guests, uh, just to let you know, our head pastor, Pastor Luke, he is still on sabbatical, day 77, in case you're keeping track, and he will be back. And I see is here gave him some snacks, and we have a couple other guests. So uh, if you are a guest, just we I'd ask that you come back uh, in August, Pastor Luke will be, will be at full strength. That's a hockey term. Okay, <laughs> moving on. You're supposed to say debatable, but okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, moving forward, and it gets awkward if we don't. Okay, Genesis 12 is where we're going to kick off today, and uh, just wanting to kind of think about how God develops nations. God makes nations but God starts with families. God starts with one man, one woman, and then he builds on that, and it is a covenant that he builds. And each covenant that God has, he builds on top of it. And uh, it started with Adam and Eve and family, and that was the first, be fruitful and multiply. That was their covenant. Do not eat. And then from there, uh, God moves out and has a Uh, Covenant with Noah, and then covenant with Abram. And so we're going to start where seeing Abram gets promises about a nation. And then we're going to move into uh, Exodus and look at the Ten Commandments and how God uh, develops a nation. And it would be cool to know, even kicking off, that this is God speaking still to us. We don't throw the Old Testament out. It is building upon And so to actually discover it for ourselves is beneficial, and it just grows us and stretches us. So uh, hang on, grab your Bible underneath your seat, so that way you can flip with me, I'll be calling out page numbers. We're starting Genesis 12, see I'm going to get the wrong page already, on page 10, so Genesis 12, let's stand as we read Genesis, we're going to read Genesis 12 and 17 says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Families, listen up. That's us. Now flip over with me to chapter 17 on page 14. Chapter 17, look at verse 4. Yes, it is on the screens too, but there will be other scriptures that won't be. So, all right, verse 4. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth. Lord, we thank you for your covenant, your promises to one man, right here, Abram. And Lord, you changed his name to Abraham, part of your covenant And made him the father of a nation, which is Israel, and nations, which is us. Lord, we can still receive these blessings. They're ours through Jesus Christ. Thank you for making the king of kings. And it all started in Genesis. What a God you are to start and to see, and we can see, that you're faithful to your word. You're faithful. You're trustworthy. And we can give you our soul, our life, and all that we are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so in the kickoff here, we're starting with Abram and uh, God making him a nation, which is Israel and nations, which I've described. But then right in the middle of that, those two I read, is Genesis 15. So turn there with me, Genesis 15. It's on page 13 in the Bible that you have in your seat. So Genesis 15. And I just want you to see this before we head to Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. Genesis 15, verse 13. It says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and will be afflicted for 400 years but I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Right here, Genesis 15, 13, God is prophesying to Abram that his very nation that he develops, which is Israel, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Jacob, Israel has 12 sons. They are the nation of Israel. And they all through Joseph head to Egypt, to Pharaoh because of the famine. So I'm just skipping over all these years, and I'm letting you know that even God here is prophesying that his people are going to be slaves. They're going to be sojourners. They're going to be afflicted. I mean, if I'm making a nation, do you think, or I don't know, you put yourself in this. If you're making a nation, let's kick it off with slavery, huh? Like, oh, these are my favored people. Guess what? Serve them for 400 years. I mean, this is a a major task put on his own people. What's what's awesome is God says, but hold on, I'm going to bring them out with great possessions, and I'm going to judge the ones that are over them. So just keep that in there as we go to Exodus 20 now. Head to Exodus 20 on page 72. So we're skipping all of the four hundred years. We just fast forward like five hundred years. That was my fast forward, in case you wanted catching you up. Okay, we fast forward. Israel has been in Egypt for the four hundred years. God calls Moses out. He's very special. In fact, Pharaoh saw that the Israelites were becoming so great, he decided to put them under a death penalty. Started killing the babies. In fact, he told the midwives, when the babies are born, just dash them. This is not PG, but just put them up against a rock. You can imagine the rest. Okay, throw them in the Nile. And this is what he's doing. They're under a death sentence, and God steps in. Even Moses shouldn't have lived. God draws him out, makes him A person deals with him in the wilderness and says, hey, you're going to go back to Pharaoh. You're going to go before him and you're going to say, hey, tell him to let my people go and they come out and worship me, their God. And and, uh, Moses says, well, I don't speak well. Uh, Who should I tell him? Who should I tell him? You are, right? And what does he say to Moses? I am. So you guys have heard this. Okay. He says, tell them I am. Okay. So you can imagine plagues, Egypt, everything. They go through the Red Sea. They come to the mountain of God. They're about to receive the Ten Commandments. And God speaks to this in all of their hearing. They get to hear God for the first time. He's been speaking to Moses. He's been dealing with Moses. And now they come to the mountain. They're about to receive the Ten Commandments. And in verse 1, chapter 20 of Exodus. Now, before... I keep wanting to read this, but I know right away there's New Testament brains in here. And you know what New Testament brains wants to do with the Old Testament? Kick it out. Why do we need it? We have Jesus. Right? But if we don't understand the law and what builds on top of it and what God has built, when we get to the end result of Jesus, he might not be as beautiful as you've seen going back and looking at how God has ordained this for moment one for Jesus, hopefully you'll fall in love with him even more. That's the goal, that you would love Jesus even more. And so the law, yes, we're not under the law, we're under grace, but the law, you know what it does? It's a mirror. It reveals my heart. The law reveals my mind. The law is also called a yoke, all right? This is a burden that you put on cattle, not eggs. But this is burdensome, right? The law is a yoke, and you'll see that that brings bondage. The Bible also says that uh, the law is a child trainer, right? So the New Testament is like adults, this is where kindergarten is right here in the law, right? And then it also calls the law is a shadow, of the real thing to come so it's good to know the law but understand yes new testament believers their brain is like oh we have something better why are we going back yes the law is also called letters of stone god changes it to writing his laws on our hearts so yes we have something better but we're going back because it's important so nine of the ten commandments believe it or not are actually in the new testament so let's start at verse one, and God spoke all these words saying, so this is God speaking to them all. in verse two, I am." Let me just pause there. Hear the significance? The first thing they hear from, their father, from God. I am." Moses, who, Moses said, "Who should I tell them send to me to rescue them? I am. So the first thing they hear is God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. To hear these words, and God uses these on and on. There's a part in Leviticus where he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery and took off the yoke that was on you so you could stand upright. Do you think they had some hard slavery under Egypt? Do you think they had any rights? Nothing. They, They had no rights. They could be taken, their family taken. They showed it with Moses talking about they could just come in and kill their babies. What's a slave to do? Does a slave get any justice? No, they're told what to do. They have a horrible taskmaster. And God says, I lifted the yoke off of you, and you finally stood upright. He says it also in Psalm that he is the Lord your God that rescued you out of Egypt. He says, just open your mouth, and he'll fill it. Just open it. To me, I just see a baby bird, like a mom, landing in the nest, and they're all just, and all they, got, all they have is their mouth open. And then mom regurgitate. I mean, do you know the story? Okay. <laughs> Isn't that what you picture with God? Like, no. Okay, maybe not my picture. just open your mouth and god will fill it you in verse three we get the first commandment and this is what he says to them you shall have no other gods before me no other gods there isn't another this is the first commandment and just thinking about this in my heart you know what's wrong i've already failed I've had the God of self ruling and reigning in my heart. I've had the God of addictions ruling and reigning in this heart before. I've had the God of alcoholism, the God of lust. The, all the gods of this world had ruled and reigned in this heart at one point or another. I have failed. I'm not going to ask for hands. But we're, we're commandment here one, Right? The law says that if I break it, I'm now punishable by death. I instantly have a death penalty on me for breaking God's laws. The second command, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those, who, and, and read this with me, verse 6, those who love me and keep my commandment no other idols, don't bow down, don't worship, don't do anything, and then it says, for those who love me will keep my commandments. This is exactly what Jesus says in John. He says, I give you a new commandment, and you will know, and I will know that you love me by your obedience. Jesus requires the same obedience here that God does. This is Jesus speaking the same exact words. If you love me, You will obey me. So here's the other part. And I remember being at a wedding, and it was at a different church. And I wasn't accustomed to their customs. But what I knew is the scripture. And I don't even know if I was following Jesus. In fact, there was a guy in the back whose wedding it was. But I came down the aisle, and the pastor there told me, you need to bow. I'm like, what? He's like, you need to bow when you get down here. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you must come down here and bow. And I'm like, no. (laughs) I'm like, there's a quiet rebellion. And I never did, but you know what I knew in my heart? If I bow, breaking a command. And you know, so I wouldn't bow my knee to whatever they wanted me to bow in that sanctuary. But I could tell you this, I bowed and served other masters. It, had, it didn't have to be my knee. It was just addiction. It was stinking thinking. It was wrong. It was self-motive. It was me that was the idol that I bowed to. I never had to bend my knee, but I definitely served idols and bowed to them. I didn't know it, but it, it was slavery. I remember going to my first meeting about addiction to alcohol, and I remember sharing with them like, I understand, like, 1860, now I don't even have the date, but then I did, I was smart, um, said, slavery was outlawed, but what I know now is slavery is still happening today, and it's right here, and it's right here, we can say that we're free in a country, but guess what? We're not free in here and we're not free in here until we meet Jesus Christ. And he takes off the yoke of bondage and puts on his yoke to not bow the knee. So far, I'm batting a thousand here on breaking these. Next, the verse 7 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Folks, James even tells us in chapter 5 that fresh water and salt water cannot flow from the same fountain. Blessings and curses cannot flow from the same lips. Do you see it? How can I bless people and how can I praise a God and then go out and curse people and cuss? Do you see the difference? How, how can this be? It can't because the Bible says that your mouth is a window to your heart. If what is coming out is curses, what's in here? It's not good. And so James convicts me so much that I have used my lips for just like he was talking about. Like when you go press on the water fountain and out flows drinking water, what if it was salt water? And then can salt water and fresh water be at the same spring? What's coming out? And I'm, I'm just sharing you that I've failed, and guess what? Yeah, we're only on the fourth or the third commandment. Church, next, moving on, verse eight, the fourth one. Here's the one that is not in the New Testament, but they argue about it all the time. It says, Remember the Sabbath day. I'm on verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servants, your female servants, your livestock, your sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know why uh, the Sabbath day, the commandment, it actually tells us in the New Testament, don't argue about that. It actually says new moons, holidays, the Sabbath. Throw that out and don't even argue about it because it's not even worth it. We were in a shadow. You know what we have now? Rest. Church family, we have four commands. Is anybody feeling weighted down or is it just me? Somebody give me one of these. Okay. Anybody else breaking them just right along with me? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. Okay. Moving forward anyway. Jesus is my rest from all of these commands. Now, that doesn't nullify me that I need to live under them, but understand the law is a yoke. The law is a burden. The law, and this is just 10 that we're going to discover. There's 613 that is a burden I mean, you go to a Jewish person's house right now, they have two kitchens in their kitchen because one of them is for dairy and one of them is for meat and they don't cross all because of scripture that says, don't boil a lamb and its mother's milk. So meat and dairy are separate. They have two kitchens from one verse. Is that a burden? I mean, I saw a guy making some Uh, what do you call them? Scrambled eggs. Yeah. And do you know we had to crack each egg and filter it out? Like a coffee filter. Like that was just, this is how kosher, they crack it, they make sure there's no impurities, then they put it in the bowl, and then they crack it, the next one, impurities, then they put it in the bowl. If it's impure, they throw it out, and they start with a clean dish. Crack it. I mean, I've seen some impurities in there, and I'm like, yeah, we'll eat that. That'll... I got my finger in there digging out the shell. You know, that's impure already. Now, I just saw him make an omelet. It's exhausting, the weight of it. When we start to see these commands, we can see we need a Savior. What's so cool about the Sabbath one is it's not in the New Testament because Jesus tells us he is Lord of the Sabbath. And then he yelled out to everybody, so... Um, first time I might ask forgiveness for yelling. But he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all of you who are laden and burdened and heavy, yoked, and I will give you what? Oh, man. What a joy to know that there's rest from this work. There's rest from the law. There's rest for my iniquity, there's rest for my injustice that is happening in my head and my heart every time if I come to Jesus. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, I'll give you rest. And then he says, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke upon you. Not the one that was in the egg, but the one that's on the shoulder. And he says it's, his burden is light and easy. And you know what his yoke is? Love. Love. Jesus did an awesome job and summed up all the Ten Commandments with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's his yoke. Love. Love. But how many of us are under a yoke and we haven't even come to Jesus? We haven't said, can you take this brokenness? Can you take this heaviness? Can you take my failure? Can you take my fault and bring it to Jesus? He switches out the yokes. There's never a more beautiful moment than anyone coming to the rest we have in Christ. You see, because even this verse says it this way, six days you will work and then you rest. When we come to Jesus, we rest. Then we go do good work. Do you hear me, church? We rest in Christ knowing that we are not under the law, under his grace, under his yoke, and then we go to work. Oh, to be able to work from rest? I mean, some of you are at the demo. You're, Don, You're falling asleep right now. I can't say... Dozen for some reason? Go ahead and giggle. It's cool. Get it out. Oh, the joy that we have. All right. Fifth cam- commandment, verse 12. Here we go. Honor your father and mother. Look out, kitties. This is children, not cats. But your days may be long in the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. God establishes a nation by not trumping or overstating family. He first Man, woman, children, nation. You want a good nation? It starts in our house. You want a good nation? It starts with raising children according to God's laws. Children, this one is tough because it's the first command with a promise. We Parents, now that I'm a parent, I love it. When I was a kid, I was like, honor my parents, you don't know my dad. And my mom's watching, so I can't say her name. (laughs) These are the jokes, folks. Okay. Does it say honor them as long as your opinion says that they're good? Does it say honor them? I mean, because there's some parents out there, do they deserve your honor? Probably not. But does God command it? Absolutely. So my job is to give it no matter my opinion or not. And then, you know, it goes on. God expounds this law in Leviticus, and it says, if you have a rebel in your house, and we've talked about this before, if you have a child, a rebel in your home, you can take them before the judges, before the law, before the priest, the person at the gate is the judge, so you could take them to the gate of your city and say, my kid is rebelling against me over and over and over, and they take them out to death penalty. You think that might cause some obedience to the other kids? We're not talking about junior church, folks, okay? We're just... That's not funny, because those are your kids. All right, I know, mine are down there too, okay. Gosh, you guys are touchy about your kids, but guess... Guess what? God is too. Understand this. You want to live long in the land? Honor your mother and father. And not because they're perfect, because there are no perfect parents. Not because they're the best. But because God put you in that house to learn to honor, even if they're not in church and yet you are. And there are students here without any parents. Still honor them. Now, God also tells us this in the New Testament. He doesn't stop. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it's not like, oh, we're done. All right, verse 13. I got to move on because otherwise I'll get stuck. Sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Finally, one that I have not done physically. Raise your hand if you've ever murdered someone. Come on, you liars. Because guess what? We can read it in this law, but in the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus do? He says, if you have hate in your heart for any one person, you have murdered them. Okay, now raise your hand, murderers. Yeah, that's me. And you know what? I'm guilty. I hated Someone so much in my life, I told them I wish they were dead. That came out as a curse, right? Like, I hated so much in here, it destroyed me. It never hurt them. The hate in here, I was a murderer, and I shared this before, and i shared share it again. And I had never really put it together or thought of it or ever used it, the murder that I have, But I remember being at the jail and I was not there because I was arrested. You were there. No, we were ministering. And uh, John, I appreciate you. I came into church service. We're having church service. So everybody that comes in, they know they're at church. I sit down next to a guy and I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? And he said, and he's just being honest, horrible. I'm like, oh, well, you know, what's going on? Are you in jail or something? No. What's going on? <laughs> JP, don't laugh that hard. Okay. I sit down next to him. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I'm not going to heaven. I'm like, what? Why not? Why are you not going to heaven? He said, I killed somebody. That's why I'm here. I killed somebody. And right away in my brain, I'm thinking, let's get out of here. <laughs> this guy's not right. But then I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, help me to talk to him about you. And then just praying, and I'm thinking, oh, man, yeah, he's not okay. And then God reminded me I'm a murderer, too. And I said, you know what? I'm a murderer, too, according to Jesus' standards. In fact, Moses murdered an Egyptian. Paul murdered Christians. I said, there are going to be a lot of murderers in heaven. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, that's the only way you wouldn't get in. That's his truth. Go ahead. They're they're sharing it live. (laughs) We'll wait for you. Make it awkward. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on from murder. All right, let's go to this one. 14, I won't have a show of hands. Committing adultery. But guess what? Jesus stepped it up. Sermon on the Mount. Anybody that has lusted in their heart has committed adultery already. It's getting harder to get through these commandments. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Verse 15. Hmm. There's so much more to stealing here. I told 8 o'clock, but I'm not going to tell you because we're online. But I was a professional stealer. Had a whole market going. I'd go into Casey's and get a bunch of free things, five-finger discount, and that's stealing. Okay, catch it up, folks. Here we go. And then I'd go to school and, like, sell that beef jerky for a buck. And I got caught bad, and I'm so thankful. And my mom was perfect. I had to go in with my own money, my own allowance, and pay back and tell them that I was a thief and I'd look at them. I'm a thief. I stole from you. Here's the money, and I am sorry, and you know what? I could say that I learned a lesson about thieving, and I stopped, but this is what I can also tell you is that it is so much more than just taking, because you know what? I can steal from my boss. I can, I can, not here, but I could steal like a stapler. I could steal office supplies. I could even steal time. I'm getting paid for 40 and I'm only working 25. Got them. That's stealing. The Lord says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as if you're doing it to the Lord. That trumps anything that I don't want to steal from God. All right, just everybody's going to return their staplers this week. Okay. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness, lying against your neighbor. Who? Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Yeah, okay. So we're batting a thousand, well, I'm counting my record. I'm batting a thousand. The tenth commandment, final one. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is mentioned in Ephesians 5, 3. It says sexual immorality, covetousness, all of these are impure. Flee from them. Run away. We think this is the one we don't do hardly at all, but this is the one that traps our heart. We want something for ourselves. It doesn't even have to be our neighbor's. It could just be that lust in your head that then takes root in your heart. Covetousness. Now, all this, I want to tell you, it gets to verse 18, and there's something really awesome. It says, Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes and the lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen but do not let god speak lest we die. You imagine they're hearing all of this, they look at the mountain, they start to get fearful and they're like, "All right, dude, you go talk to him. We're going to stay back here." This would be all of us view, all of our views if we saw god right now. Yeah, you'd all just say, "Seth, you go," right? <laughs> no. But in our minds, this is what we do all of the time with scripture. We say, oh, that's just the pastor's opinion. That's not God speaking. Oh, that's, that's just your opinion of the word. I can take it or leave it. What if it's God's word to you? Can you take it or leave it? You see, this is what we like to do, and this is what they were doing to Moses. And they're like, well, you go talk to him, and then we'll just do whatever you say. But then when he comes, they start butting heads with his leadership, right? Like, hey, who said you could tell us what to do? That's my interpretation. With all of that, you guys, the last one that I want to point out, out of all these laws, how many of you are feeling pretty good? Convicted? Overwhelmed? I want you to know that in the law, there isn't love, but God makes a law for love, to show it. And if you look with me to verse 24, It's the laws about altars. Verse 24 says, And an altar of earth you shall make for me, and a sacrifice on it you shall make for me. Sorry, repeated. And sacrifice on it your burnt offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. right after the 10 I'm so thankful for God and his mercy. Because what happens on an altar is a sacrifice. And what happens is that this is a shadow pointing to Jesus Christ, that none of us are righteous. We're all guilty. There's no one that is good. No, not one. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all under the curse We have a yoke of bondage of slavery. We've been born into this world and we cannot be set free. We're broken. We're destitute for hell. We're on a destruction path. And there's no hope and no future, but God has an altar. God has the Savior. God has Jesus Christ for each and every heart in the whole world. Because He sacrificed His one and only Son, That's love. Build an altar. And he says it in such a way, don't even touch it. Just gather stones and put it together. And I'll come and be with you. Because no man should have to touch it. Because it's a pure and holy offering to God in the heavenly realms. And the other part is, is, don't let your nakedness be shown on it. Don't even have steps to it. Because no flesh should have to mess with what God has ordained. God, fully flesh, fully God, rescued a world that would believe in him. The last part, I want you to head to Romans with me. We're going to now see the beauty of the law to us. Romans 8, this is page 1122. We got like three new New Testament scriptures, so just hang on. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. As we go through this, this there's a sweetness in it from God. It says, for God has done with the law weakened by flesh. Did you hear that? Law was weakened by flesh. It could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All of those righteous requirements of the law that we just read are fulfilled in you if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous requirements of the law, which is perfect, holy, without spot, without blemish, without any sin, through Christ. Is fulfilled in his believers. You know what's wrong? It's my stinking thinking. Because I know how sinful I am in here. I know my stinking thinking. And then I have to believe God at his word that his son died for me so that I could have the righteous requirements fulfilled in here. And he says, and wherever there's an altar, he'll be there. Is he your God right in here? Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior of your soul, of every part of who you are? And and we can all say yes. And then he says, if you have, don't return to a yoke of bondage of sin. Stay free. He set you free. Then look, flip with me, Romans 13. Verse 8 through 10. Romans 13. Owe oh, no one anything except to love each other. Church, it's calling us out. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit it all three. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law law doesn't produce the love the holy spirit in you does here's what the law is the law is a mirror showing you you this is what the law is showing you you we just went through it. we all see in the mirror like whoa i got some spots i got some wrinkles don't you agree okay i got issues in the mirror But then in your bathroom, if you have a mirror, right below that you have a basin. And if you have like ketchup stain right here, you wash it, right? (laughs) This is the law. Down in the basin is the blood of Jesus Christ and we all must be washed. But if you don't apply it, you don't put it in, you're not clean, you're not pure, you're not holy... And you can't love. And the Bible says in these last days, the love of his people will wax cold, will grow cold. We won't even hand it out. How can we be his people if we're not going to hand it out? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. My commandments are to love one another. All right, last scripture, Galatians 3. Galatians 3, last one. Verse 21, Galatians 3.21, it says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Question mark. Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. This is Galatians 3. Now look at verse 22. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Did you hear that? The Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promises by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Do you understand that faith is what releases it? Faith is what releases the law imprisoned on you that you're guilty, I'm guilty. A whole world has been turned over to disobedience and imprisoned by the law of God so that he can rescue everybody through Jesus Christ. Every single one that simply has faith on him. Through faith. Believe in the laws of the mirror. Through faith, believe that the heavenly altar has been satisfied by the blood of Jesus Christ. And through faith, believe that Jesus is your sacrifice, He's your purification. Do you know Him by faith? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, Thank you for your word of truth. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your covenant promise to make a nation. And then, Lord, in your nation, in your church, is a priesthood of believers. Help us. Lord, for those that find themselves imprisoned, May they run to Jesus to be set free. To realize that we've all broken the law. We're all guilty before you. Help us to know that through Jesus Christ we can be justified. Pronounced not guilty. Set free from that yoke of bondage. Set free from slavery to sin. Help us, Lord, if we know you and we're living in freedom to worship you in spirit and truth, to run to you with all that we have. Lord, change our stinking thinking through your word to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to live out your truth, to love with your spirit. And Lord, help us to do that It's not our default setting. It's only through you can we produce love. We love you. We thank you for your challenge, for your people. And Lord, if if we've been running from you, help us to run right back to confess. Thank you that you're still faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us and wash us. We love you. We thank you for striving with us. Help us to love you even more, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, the altar is open. There's a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Grab one of them, or just pray and know that the hand on you is just praying for you without any words. But no matter what, you can do it right where you are, or just come down here. We'd love to pray with you. Let's stand and sing Living Hope.